Christian life, one that flows throughout the Bible, obviously from Exodus to uh, these New Testament passages like we're looking at tonight. I just want to look at Galatians 5 uh, that Eddie already referenced just for a moment with you, uh, a passage that uh, you probably know well, and I won't tarry too long. Uh, I'm not a long preacher, am I? Um, There you go. Uh, But... I do think this is worth spending just a little bit of time in. And I might say some things that you don't like. (laughs) Um, But uh, good pastors aren't people who say things that people like all the time. So uh, I just want to be honest about um, this idea of freedom and and really take a look closely at what the Bible actually says. Right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. What does it say? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This is the word of God. I will refer to a couple other verses here in Galatians as well. Uh, But y'all, since I've been a pastor, there are some things that I have noticed, some social trends that I have found to be true. This isn't a personal experience for me, but I think that's partly because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, kind of like Victoria was talking about. I didn't really become a Christian or um, go to church, really, until I was about 15. My life started to change then, so I didn't really grow up with these things like like you said, getting your, your patches and your, you know, your going to church and, and doing all these things as a child. My wife, on the other hand, did grow up as a Christian, uh, saved at, at age four, and has had a, an upward journey since of sanctification. Um, and because I love her and some of the experiences she's been through, and because I want to be a good pastor, I've really delved in to understand this social trend that I have seen in certain Christians. It really is a conundrum. Here's what I'm talking about. Many Christians who grow up in the church, going to service every time the doors are opened, whose dad was a deacon, whose mom led the nursery, who went to all the revival meetings religiously, who attended every VBS imaginable, not just their church, but all the other churches, who went with the youth group on all the youth group trips and camp every summer, who handed out bulletins on Sunday mornings and got awards for never missing a day of Sunday school, etc., etc., etc. You get the picture. These people, as they grow up, not always, but often, they end up farther from Christ than when they started. This is a conundrum. This is a paradox. This doesn't make sense, right? It's a tragedy. Mom and dad shower the child with opportunities for studying the gospel. 
But then those opportunities don't look like opportunities anymore. They look like slavery. I don't have a choice, right? And, and, and I'm not picking on you, Penny, right? The idea of, of uh, you know, withholding church uh, uh, is, a, is a funny thing, right? Um, but, but, but making that child go for so long. And listen, if the Lord, this, and I see it happen a lot with pastor's children. And, and it terrifies me if the Lord ever fills our quiver, if we have children, uh, what they will grow up under with their father as a pastor. It terrifies me because I want my kids to go to church and I'm going to make them go to church. I think that's good, generally speaking. But the child grows up realizing that they don't really have choice here. They have the appearance of free will and joyful participation, but truly these are acts of obedience so they don't get in trouble. And Again, Christian parenting is good. Let's make our kids go to church. Amen? Let's make our kids go to church. But there are many people who've grown up from millennials to boomers to all the other people in between who end up growing apart from Christ the more they go to church. And this doesn't make sense. And yet it happens all the time. And I think it happens because Christianity isn't a law. And yet we try to write in laws all the time into Christianity. This is confusing for children. So they grow up mixing the pots of grace and law together. And so they don't know how to live. And they don't know if Christ is really for them or just pushing his thumb on them. And so they withdraw because the obligation leads to burnout. And they don't know how to live adult lives as Christians. And in truth, Christ wants so much more for us. Christianity is not slavery. Christianity is not tireless attendance to a place. Christianity is being bought by the blood of Jesus and living under the freedom of his grace-filled umbrella for the rest of your days as he sanctifies you heavenward until we close our eyes and reach those shores. Now some of you, even as I say this, might be thinking I'm full of it and I need to watch where I'm going. And if you're thinking that, that's who I'm talking to. Talking to you tonight. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. One of the most important things we can study and reflect on as Christians is our union with Christ. Say it with me. Union with Christ. Christ. That is the single most important doctrine when it comes to actually living the Christian life. Charles Spurgeon said, there is no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we can feel it, the happier we are. Think about it. Let me just name a few. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him, Christ, to be holy and blameless. Ephesians 1.6, he has blessed us in the beloved, Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.13, in him we also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Get out of the book of Philippians. Maybe it's not just Philippians, right? How about Philippians 3.9? To be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, or not a righteousness that comes from the law, but the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, in him 
that we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.12, we are buried with him, raised with him, through faith in him. Galatians 2.20, we were crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, Christ who lives in us. I was listening to R.C. Sproul, if you know him, he, he's passed on, I think, last year, 2018 or 2019. Um, Went home to be with the Lord, but he was a wonderful preacher that I enjoy listening to. Uh, he told a story about the time when one of his good friends got saved. And he, this, this man went to some sort of revival slash camp meeting, whatever they called those back in the 70s and 80s. And he heard the gospel clearly. He heard the gospel powerfully. And he was changed. And, and after that meeting, he stayed and he prayed and he cried his eyes out. And, and it suddenly got late and it became midnight. And so he starts walking home, and he's going home through town, through the city, and he's going down the sidewalk, and you picture all the, the lampposts on his uh, way home, guiding him through the city streets. And here he was in the middle of the night, not a soul around to be seen. And he didn't walk home. He skipped home. He said he was jumping over fire hydrants with joy because he had found union with Christ. His sins were erased. He was no longer a slave to his own flesh, but he was made alive together with Christ, and he was experiencing that union for the first time ever. If we are united with Christ, this is to be our ultimate joy this side of heaven. So, why do so many people feel like church and or Christianity is slavery? Isn't that the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches? Here's the answer to this simple paradox. The will of God is not a matter of doing, but of being. I'm going to say that again because you should probably write it down. The will of God is not a matter of doing, but of being. For generations and generations, many churches have been teaching some Subtly, some more blatantly, that God's will for our lives is strict obedience. And yet from the get-go, Psalm 51 verse 16, here it says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, talking of the Lord, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Here's the psalmist trying to give and give and give and do and do and do and do and never being able to please God. And here he realizes that it's not doing that pleases God, but being. Having that contrite heart. Here's a more plain interpretation. A do, 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 do response to the message of salvation that God gives to humanity is repulsive. It's repulsive. We can do, 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 do all we want, but that will never make us right with God. The bottom line, plain and simple, is that God's will for your life is freedom. John Piper says it boldly. Your enjoyment of freedom is much more important to God than many of the day-to-day -day decisions that fill us with so much concern. 
He goes on to say, a good test of your priorities in life would be whether you are just as concerned about the command to enjoy your freedom as you are about other pressing decisions in your life. So, without delay, what does the Bible say? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians is a hard letter. Paul ain't playing games. You know, don't read this if you're in a bad mood. You, 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 you'll, get, you'll get spanked. He is repulsed by the fact that these Galatian Christians are forfeiting the gospel of grace for the law. So he's sticking it to them straight. He calls people out. He calls them fools. He says, consider anyone preaching a different gospel, like the gospel that diminishes grace and advances law, like that gospel. He says, let them be accursed. That's a little extreme, don't you think? This is a type of sin that demands a hard word. Let's think this through. God gave the law to Israel. Was the law bad? No way. Good stuff. The law was their savior. So they could live with God in a manner worthy of his presence. So that they could be with God and not die. So that they could live this certain way that they could have God and not undergo severe punishment that they so deserved. So the law was this good gift that God gave them so they could live in community with him. And still today, the Old Testament law applies to us in promise and in application, but not in direct obedience. We aren't seeking to fulfill the law. Why is that? Because Jesus did it. Amen? The Old Testament is God's word, but it's not our prescription for salvation. So what is our prescription for salvation? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing that loud and proud, don't we? Yes. And then we condemn people in the next breath who don't make the same sacrifice as we do. This is why Paul is so upset. He says, finally and authoritatively, Christ did not die so you could keep more laws. Christ died for freedom. That's why Christ died. Do you feel the liberation yet? You are forgiven. You are united with Christ. All your sins atoned for, taken away, erased. The law was kept perfectly through the life and death of another on your behalf. This is the kind of news that makes us skip out of here. Go home joyfully singing and dancing for the freedom that Christ has given us. We are free people. So therefore, stand firm. Isn't that what he said to those people in Exodus who were like, we should go back and be slaves. That'd be better. Are there, are there graves over here that you intend for us to die in? It'd be better for us for just to go be slaves again, Moses. And the word of the Lord is stand firm. Go towards freedom. Stop trying to move backwards, right? We are free. Why would you ever leave? We sang that old, old story this morning uh, and during worship, didn't we? We love to sing that old, old story. And when we get to glory and we're singing new songs, we're still going to be having that old story as our theme. In other words, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be singing, oh, all the great works that we did. We did, 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 did. No, we're still going to be talking about what Jesus did. We're still going to be singing all the great works of Christ on our behalf. 
That's what we're going to be singing. So don't submit again to slavery. And now, I don't know if you notice this, but Paul just called the Old Testament law slavery. Do you know who Paul is, by the way? Do I need to remind you of Paul's upbringing? He had a perfect attendance. Righteous, as far as the law goes, and keeping the law, blameless. A great, strong, biblical education. Zealous, persecuting the church and those who would elevate this foreign freedom message. All right? He hated it. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. And this man who had followed the law to a T is now calling it slavery. You think this would be easy, right? Why would we go back to that? But we do. It's not easy. And here, I think, are two of the biggest barriers to our embracing freedom. They are pride and self-justification. They're kind of the same, but kind of different. Pride says, I go to church all the time. I'm way holier than the people who don't. Pride says, I'm a deacon. Surely God approves of me. Pride says, I give X amount of dollars. I gave X amount of dollars. This Sunday, I'm so humble. It's this pride that slowly feeds into a law-keeping over a grace-giving attitude. And then there's self-justification, which is more about giving your hands, your service, your sacrifice, but not actually giving your heart. So you, you can point to all the good works that you do, and you can say, look, 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 I'm justified, I'm justified, I'm justified. But if you give your heart, and that means you can't live according to the flesh, that means you're giving your justification over to God. And if your justification is in God's hands, that means you're no longer in control over it. And we want to be in control over if we're good or bad. Right? So we're going to keep that to ourselves. Nevertheless, law-keeping is both sinful and it's slavery for the human soul. We were made for freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Amen? Now I could stop here, right? Sean, ain't got any questions. But Pastor Dale, what about the stuff that the Bible does command us to do? Are we just supposed to live in freedom forever and not do anything? And obviously that is the pending question that everybody is supposed to be asking right now, right? What about living a holy life? What about doing good works and let your light shine before others? They may see your Father and glorify Him in heaven. What about doing stuff? Doing stuff is good. But let's, let's make sure we get it in the context of freedom. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5. Love this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Christ has set us free. What are we to do? Paul says, don't use your freedom for fleshly living, but for love. Now, this is not like living a carnal life that he's talking about. Living of the flesh means living of your own works, living of your own justification of what you bring to the table is what he means in this context. Don't use your freedom to depend on yourself for salvation. 
That's, this is like clocking out at 5 o'clock from your job and saying, you know what? Because I'm free now, I'm going to go back inside and work the rest of the day and through the night until my shift, my shift starts tomorrow. That's bananas, right? Nobody's doing that. You're clocking out at 4.59, and you're embracing your freedom for the rest of the day, right? Hopefully. So what are we to use our freedom for, right? We use it for love. We use it for love. The whole law, he says, is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor. Now, Pastor Joey loves to make fun of love in the Bible, right? He does, he does. But Joey, I dare you to make fun of this one. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. You can't argue with this. We are free to do what? We are free to love, free to serve, free to extend grace just like Christ has done for us. We are united with Christ, and so this becomes natural for us. That's why Paul turns to talking about keeping in step with the Spirit and not the flesh in the next section. We, we, we are united with Christ, so we want to live in the Spirit. We're united with Christ, and so we want to pursue holiness. We want to pursue our devotion towards God. But because the law strokes our ego and gives us opportunity for self-justification, Paul warns us of the temptation to bite and devour one another. He literally says, watch out that you're not consumed. Churches surely don't uh, bite up, chew up, spit out people, do they? One of the greatest tests to whether or not we are a church that prizes freedom through the gospel is whether or not we chew people out, chew people up and spit them out. I've heard the stories. I think Main Street may have done that in the past from things I've heard. But not today. Not while I'm here. I'm not going to have it. There's no chewing here. There is no devouring one another. We prize freedom. We pursue freedom. We use our freedom for love. We use our love as opportunities for service. This is union with Christ. This is what it looks like. Mariana loves to work out at the gym. She ran a 10K this Saturday, and I think she's crazy. I didn't run the 10K. Tim ran the 10K, and he, he, he killed it. Uh, so it was cool to go. I was there, and I supported both of them. Um, but I didn't run it. But sometimes when Mariana works out, <clears throat> it's really the last thing she wants to do. She's really doing it because she has to. She's doing it because she doesn't want to gain weight. She doesn't want to be unhealthy. Um, there's some type of negative that she's trying to avoid. But something changes when I go to the gym with her. When I go to the gym with my wife, working out is no longer work. Her friend is there. Her husband is there. And I'm sweating and suffering right on the treadmill next to her. And that brings her joy. <laughs> What am I talking about? <laughs> when I'm with her, the work turns into love. Family, this is what our union with Christ is like. Our work of the law turns into love when he is with us. 
we are in Christ. And so because he comes down to our level and says, be with me, love with me, serve with me, we are empowered to use our freedom to love. So I want to end with, with two things. And I want to be honest in these vision meetings. Uh, I want to give you some potential slave masters at Main Street. Things you need to watch out for. Things we need to watch out for. And then I want to give you an action plan. Which is weird, weird to give an action plan for something like freedom. Maybe I'll just avoid that part. Here are some slave masters. And these probably aren't just true to Main Street. But probably a lot of traditional Baptist churches in our area. Tradition. Tradition. These are laws that we make. These are laws that we uphold. These are laws that we force ourselves to and hold new members to. They are fine when they build up, but when they tear down, they are awful. We need to learn when a tradition is tearing down and when a tradition is building up. And when a tradition is slowly being taken away, this is the true test, whether you were prizing freedom or whether you were prizing law. Attendance. Attendance. Let me be honest with you guys. I did a little survey not too long ago. Because I love Sunday nights. But we have maybe 10 people that show up. And so I just texted maybe 10 or 12 folks that I, I would love to see on Sunday nights. And I just said, what, what's really holding you back? You know, what's your biggest hindrance to coming and praying on a Sunday evening? at the church there might have been a couple that said it's a sinful thing I, 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 I have a sin problem and I want to be honest about that but you know I think 90% responded to me their pastor saying pastor I'm tired I've worked I, I, I have family there's so much going on I, I I have to get up early on Mondays, and I, I have all of these burdens in my life, and it's so hard for me to, to take that extra time out of a Sunday to do that. How am I supposed to respond? Do better. Jesus died so you could keep the law, start keeping it better. Or do we address the burden? And do we say, let me shower you with grace. Let me shower you with kindness. And instead, our impulse much of the time is to say, your attendance isn't good. You're not as holy as we are. Comfort. Comfort. Comfort might also be a synonym with consumerism. We want what we want. We want life to be easy. And so we're willing to jeopardize freedom and brotherly love so that we can have what we want and be content and come to church and, and get our way. And the final one is to maybe feel important. We have certain things that we do, certain laws that we've built, certain traditions that we hold to, and they make us feel important. 
And so our importance then becomes more important than union with Christ. Surprising freedom. So here's a couple things to do throughout the month of March. Because Christ has set you free. And you have union with Christ. First things first, everybody's going to be skipping out of here, right? Except for maybe Teresa. No skipping for Teresa. No skipping. Everybody else has to skip. No excuses. Preach the gospel to yourself every morning when you get up. Because the gospel says, no matter what I do today, Jesus loves me the same. My performance is not part of this. Christ brought everything to the table when it came to my salvation. Preach that to yourself every single morning. Let the gospel be your motivation for freedom. Number two, ask God for forgiveness for refusing to give grace to other people. Maybe you need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness for not giving them grace like Christ has given you. Intentionally fight against, well, first, maybe you just need to identify it. Identify the law-keeping you have in your own life, the legalism in your own life, and fight against it with all that you have. Make that your big goal for the month of March. And then, once you've realized what's going on in your own heart, fight against it in the church. Come alongside your brothers and sisters and make sure that doesn't happen here at Main Street. Evaluate your heart before you go or don't go to any given church service. Why am I going? Why am I not going? That answer is more important than you think it is. Why am I going? Why am I not going? Ask a close friend how you can be more gracious. How can you be more... Somebody that really knows you. How can you be more gracious? Determine to make union with Christ your ultimate priority in your daily life. Think about what He has you doing. Your job, your circumstances, your events. How is union with Christ coming into play? Find opportunities to love and serve others out of the freedom Christ has given you. And finally, to to end the way we started here, go to those people who are burnt out on legalistic upbringing and shower them with grace. Go to those people like my wife and love them who are so tired And have confused law and grace for so long. And just give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Amen. I don't know if there's an appropriate hymn to sing after that. But if there was one, maybe it would be Amazing Grace. Does that sound good? Hey, musicians, will you all come lead us in Amazing Grace? Grace is God looking on Christ and pouring out his wrath on him at our expense and looking at us as though we'd never sinned and knowing that we could never bring any merit of our own flesh to the table that would qualify us for salvation. God has done it all. I wouldn't mind if you danced at this point. I wouldn't mind if you sang and did some twirling and skipping.
for the sake of freedom. Amen. Do you know freedom? Let's stand and sing of this great grace. Thank you for listening to another message from the pulpit ministry of Main Street Baptist Church in Spindale, North Carolina. I hope that your soul has been edified as a result of hearing the Word of God preached and that God will continue to be glorified in your life as you worship Jesus. If you have any questions about the message you heard today, feel free to uh, check us out online and send an email. You can find us at www.mainstreetspindale.com or you can call us directly at 828-286-2291. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.